0: Well, hello once again, Marvelous Podcast family. What a privilege and honor to be with you as always, and I am sending you all of my prayers, well wishes, blessings, and good vibes to you, your family, your friends, and everyone you love, wishing you all of the best. We have got an absolutely exceptional episode of the podcast for you today. We have Ron Baker on, and we are talking about a journey of profound awakening. In this episode, we talk about uh, Ron's upbringing and his journey, our unique gifts and challenges, how he performed on Broadway, the nine levels of nurturing, understanding the limbic brain, Ron's incredibly powerful story about reconnecting his father uh, with his father. This is like unbelievable when you hear kind of what happened in his interpretation and in his father's interpretation, it's an incredibly powerful story. If you just listen to that, uh, this episode will be well worth it. We talk about survival, breathing, what makes a man great, uh, how to nurture the three-year-old in, in you, uh, adult reality questions who is god the creator the own the only real failure and so much more this is an absolutely amazing episode so i hope that you guys share this far and wide with your friends in email lists in any social that you're on um if you want to follow me go over to telegram t.me forward slash matt go to mattbelair.com and uh if you want to support this show just sign up for a donation or for free if you can't afford it uh there's a there's an option for three dollars on there a dollar uh, whatever you want um but also for free so just send me an email, Matt at zenathlete.com. I back up all the episodes and there's some exclusive content from guests in there as well. Um, So I appreciate any of that. Also leaving a review, if you could take a moment and leave a review in iTunes, that would be really, really helpful. Uh, For those of you guys who want to work with me and you're curious about some of the things that I put out there, uh, everything that I'm doing from the quantum heart hypnosis, the soul compass course and the atomic alchemy mastermind and the one-on-one coaching is really designed to help you live your authentic life from your heart and your soul that you come from a place of actual knowing and authenticity, then using all the peak performance, mindset tool, uh, esoteric, you know, spiritual, all these tools to design that reality because it is not an easy journey. Um, but when we get very clear on uh, who we actually are and what we actually want to build, we are we will build the resilience to overcome any obstacle that you will definitely face. So it's not an easy journey, journey, but it's a worthwhile one. And uh, if you want to join a mastermind call as my guest, again, just send me an email, Matt at Zenath but you might be interested in the quantum heart hypnosis series that covers everything from you know knowing and living your life purpose that is an incredible powerful experience also uh, self worth and abundance and many other audios on there and then I also teach you how to make your own because visualization is such a powerful process and that's just one way uh, to do it but it's very powerful because we're coming through the lens of our heart so there's lots of stuff over at mattbelair.com if you want to check it out I just appreciate you guys the best way to support the show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world. And uh, let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in. So wherever you are in this world, uh, stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, faith, courage, power, inspiration, and get ready to enjoy this phenomenal episode with Ron Baker. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind body and spirit show. I'm your host Matthew Belair. As you know, we are currently overcoming extreme censorship. So if you want to support this show, please share episodes far and wide, leave a review. Uh, but most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. After walking away from a career in the performing arts to focus on guiding individuals into a surprising new approach to personal transformation, today's guest has spent 25 years as a bioenergetics therapist, healer, speaker, and author. He has nurtured thousands into meaningful empowerment through his school of self mastery and inspired millions to come together for worldwide events that he has led from sacred sites around the globe. Welcome to the show, Ron Baker. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate you having me. I'm I'm super excited to do this show. Um, I looked at your bio and all the stuff you've done. The Sacred Sites is exciting. <laughs> uh, profound Awakening is exciting. Your story is exciting. So uh, we can dive all over the place, and, but I'd love for you to share just a little bit about your background. How did you go into the performing arts and being on Broadway and then writing a book and going and doing uh, these uh, ceremonies and these healing um, experiences at Sacred sites, <laughs> which brings up all other conversation and mystery. So just give us a little background yeah. We'll start diving in.
1: Yeah, that's like about 10 questions. Um, <laughs> I, I have been very fortunate to get a broad spectrum of experiences in my life. And since I was a little kid, I have been just a major adventurer, wanting to understand how everything works feeling like there were deeper answers, more complete truths about life than the people around me knew how to provide. So I basically went on a, a journey, a search for those wiser answers and got to travel all over the world because of performing and sought out teachers and put together pieces and so, The background is I grew up in North Carolina and I was involved in as many things as I could. And the performing arts kept coming back, kept pulling me. I thought I was going to become a doctor and basically synchronicity kept bringing me back to the performing arts. And I was like, you know what, I've always listened to that green light, that go the intuitive yes inside me and so i basically ended up letting go of becoming a doctor and followed this path of performing and then uh, it just blossomed and i was one of the lucky ones i got to do over 60 leading roles in opera and in broadway shows all over and it gave me a chance to have a world education about cultures and people and how we're so much more alike, even though we have unique approaches, and all these things where I got to pull pieces of wisdom from so many different wise beings on the planet just kept inspiring this search, this search. And then as I was going, when I was in my early 20s, I discovered I had this capacity to feel other people, and could feel the energy in their bodies, where it was moving, where it was blocked. It took a while to figure it out, but in the grand scheme of it, I thought, you know what? I'm gonna figure out, since I can feel this, if I can figure out how to clear those blockages, how to move that energy and create health in other people, And so I got to pull back in that interest of being a doctor, but doing it more as an energy practitioner and a nurturer. And then after the performing career went to a certain point, I was like, you know what? People are way too important to me. And I want to take everything that I've learned and bring it directly to the people. And so, Basically, decided to study as a bioenergetics therapist, and created my own approach to all of this personal transformation. And that's a broad overview of the journey.
0: I love that. It seems like the uh, short story, and you and uh, it's amazing. You have a, a new book coming out. Um, what's the title? I know the the a bright lights, big empty. Uh, a journey of profound awakening. So what's with the big empty part of it? That to me was a little different.
1: Yeah, well, when I was a little kid, I had my set of challenges just like everybody does. I actually end up calling that the sole curriculum of our lives. It gets set up in childhood. And one of my main ones was having a dad who literally never said a single thing to me. Not one conversation that I can remember. And so it left me with a whole lot of self doubt and insecurity. I didn't know if I had any value at all. And so I had this spiritual opening and this desire to understand life, but I didn't trust me. So when the talents began to appear, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to actually get attention have opportunity, be seen. And so putting all those pieces together in like a wounded child, I was like, I'm going to go out in the world and prove my worth. I'm going to prove to my dad that I have worth and value. And so I sought the bright lights. I had the opportunities. I Literally, in addition to performing all of that, I got to sing with celebrities and dine with royalty and even shared the stage with two Supreme Court justices. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is not taking away my wounded emptiness on the inside. And so the initial title is all about seeking that validation, seeking that glamor, but on the inside, feeling big empty. So that's where it initially starts. And then of course, the subtitle is a journey of profound awakening and putting the pieces together and learning how to build a sense of self and learning how to help others, thousands of others around the world do that is where the journey takes us in the book.
0: Wow. Well, that's terrible to hear. You know, I started to hear that. And, you know, I know people on this podcast and and around the world have maybe heard us saying something like that, right? You get rich and famous. And then that's not the answer or, you know, whatever that case is. Now I know people will be thinking, you know, yeah, right. Like I need to, I need to get this. I need to achieve this. If I had it, it would be so much easier. Um, And I've spoken to many people who've had that outer success and it didn't fill the inner void. So then we go into the, the how, like, what, what are we doing? Is it, was it, I'm curious, is it something that wasn't heart and soul aligned? And that's why it's like, you were trying to uh cover like a pain that you had. It wasn't you know because it seems like it was a little bit aligned for you and i feel like uh, often often people it's just like they're going into just money or just fame because they're they're covering this um you know pain but for you it seemed a little bit more aligned than for most
1: well i like to say we have a combination of gifts and challenges and by gifts i don't just mean talents i mean we have interests and we have priorities and we have certain qualities of self that are just natural to our soul. And so we have those gifts and they inspire us. And then we have the wounded challenges, which also inspire us. So I definitely loved expressing myself as an actor and singer. I loved the journey of that. And so it was aligned with something that mattered to me but it did not take away the wound so it wasn't that performing is empty and performing or achieving or gaining riches is bad and wrong or doesn't have the potential to be fulfilling as a piece of the puzzle the problem is we've lived in a world where Nobody talks about self and how to build a sense of self and how to build self-value and all of that. I literally went to 20 years of school. I got three degrees after high school. Not one course talked about self. And so it was like we get taught these skills and we get handed this idealism of if you just go and you make money and you get a job and you create a relationship and you have children and you have... Well, that's awesome in the outer, but if the inner is disconnected, and on the inside, in my case, I was still frozen like the wounded child whose dad never spoke to him, and I was still stuck in that perception of, how will I know when I've proved myself? At the bottom line, what I figured out is, it's how we feel about ourselves that fills that inner. So even if I'd had the mom and dad who were totally conscious and handed me all of the levels of nurturing that I needed and the consistency of that support and encouragement, I still would have had to learn how to feel that way about myself. So mommy and daddy are not the source and they're not the solution. They're just a starting place that sets up the challenges and gifts. And so I basically, finding all these teachers, had a common encouragement, you need to learn to connect to your inner self as a starting place. And I was like, well, that's about the last place I want to look because that's where I'm holding and hiding all my fear and shame. And so basically just the journey of finally listening to all these wise people and combining it with my ability to feel my own blocks and gradually put together the pieces from all different kinds of education to create a place where I truly value the man that I have become. Because as adults, we can decide who do I wanna be? Who do I choose to be? What qualities am I gonna practice? So it's a combination of learning that we have a choice and that our initial child perspective was just the sole setup for the lifetime. It doesn't equal that's the truth. It just equals this is what you are here to face, to nurture, to learn how to resolve. And as you move into a deeper adult truth, then it can give you a contrast so you can go back in and reparent that wounded child on the inside that was you. And you can nurture and you can acknowledge and you can encourage and support the various stages and experiences that we went through as children. And this is what I show people how to do in this book. I go back and reparent and then show the process of how I Went from self doubt to self confidence and self value, and love the man that I have chosen to be. So that's a bunch of uh, disparate pieces of the of the journey.
0: That's beautiful and very well said. You you brought up a lot of important topics there. One of the things that I've noticed in working with a lot of people and and listening to a lot of people is that whatever that childhood wound is, and it might be obvious, right, you might have gone through a trauma or something like your father wasn't there or whatever the case is it doesn't really go away unless we learn how to transmute it and make peace with it and move forward. It'll stay there in your twenties and your thirties and your forties and your fifties and sixties, and it will affect your self-worth. It'll affect your decision-making. It'll affect your relationships. And we're not really taught on how to, you know, understand those things. And one hypothesis I've put forward is that I feel like our, our inner child, like that inner voice that we have where we're talking to ourselves or are we beating each other, like we beat ourselves up in our mind. And, you know, whenever I do a poll, if I'm speaking or training or something, I'll say how many people are really hard on themselves in, in between their ears, in their own mind. And most people, 90% are very hard on themselves. And I imagine yeah. it as like my adult self beating up my seven-year-old self, the one that's kind of, you know, gone from like a, a baby that needs to be taken care of to start to have a little bit of independence and to understand the world and everything uh, around me and and the individual. So I think that that's so important to deal with. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your journey, journey and strategy for that, because I love when you said it's the journey of loving yourself, no matter what parents you have, there's, there's also stories with the most perfect parents on paper and they did everything and they end up going down this really crazy path because that's their, contract or karma or decision or whatever the case is to overcome that to get to the next step and so i'm curious if you can talk about that and is that why in your book you know the parts you have are the call child adult and soul is that is that kind of how that process unfolds
1: so when i teach people and i've had the opportunity to teach thousands of people from different countries and cultures and whatever um i like to present a very clear map a very clear trajectory for people to understand what building self equals, what a soul journey equals so that you can evaluate where you are. It's like going in to take a course in school. And if nobody explains what you're going to be covering and what the goal is and how you can measure reaching each level of success and integration, then you're just lost. And so most people go through life quite disconnected from self, feeling rather lost and working really hard and then becoming disillusioned and not having a lot of will. What's the point? Why am I doing this? Why am I working so hard? So I like to give a clear map. So the way I divide self is through three stages of child, adult, soul. But that implies a lot more than just the ages of zero to 18 as child. No, for me, this is the core of self, the innocent self, where the soul sets up a lifetime with gifts and challenges. And the initial layers of self are introduced. And we have nine levels of nurturing that need to be introduced, that encourage us to trust our value, to trust experience, to trust connecting, giving, receiving, all of those things. Well, I've been teaching this for 25 years. I've not met one person who was given all the levels of nurturing and consistency into how to build self. And so the child becomes sort of like the hard drive of the computer where the curriculum of the lifetime is set up. Then we move into adult bodies, but that doesn't mean we move into adult consciousness. Sure, we can do things we couldn't do. We have physical capacities that we didn't have, but it doesn't mean that our emotional and depth of consciousness just automatically moves to this much wiser place. Usually the hard drive of the computer The child ends up being lots of decisions. I have to do this. I can't do that. These are the limits. This is what I deserve. I have to stay within this comfort zone. I have to prove myself. I have to play certain roles. So all of that programming in the child is what I imply by child. And then when we move into adulthood, how does it work? In order to understand the map we have to understand more fully how life dances with us in order to support us we then attract in our adult lives similar archetypes similar situations to what we had set up in childhood so if we had an unavailable parent didn't know how to acknowledge us value us see us invest in us then I have tons of clients who say, why am I always attracting the unavailable person that I'm dating? Why do I, why am I attracted? It's the same paradigm of the child, but you have an adult who can evaluate it, who has choices. And this begins to make us aware of, wait a minute, I need more education. I need more tools. I need to show up and shift this. And so that's where I went on my journey, and that's what I help people to do so that the adult can learn to see things from a deeper truth. So lots of people have heard a Bible verse that says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Well, what the heck does that mean? What truth? Where truth? And so what I like to say is there were just some words left out of this. You shall discover adult truths that shall set your wounded child free. So I'll use my dad as an example. When I was around 30, I was like, you know what? My adult recognizes half of this relationship is up to me. I can stay frozen as the child who goes, my dad never and he and blame and or I can go, wait a minute, I'm 30. I'm half responsible for this relationship. So I phoned my dad and I said, you're about to come see me perform at Lincoln Center. When you're here, could we sit down and have a one-on-one, first one of my lifetime? Could we have a one-on-one and share? I don't know anything about you. I would love to know more. And he surprised me and he said, yeah, I'd be happy to. And so when we did, I started hearing all kinds of adult truths that I hadn't known how to consider as a child. As an example, he says, my dad died when I was a little kid and I had nine siblings and we had a farm and I had no modeling about what a family was it was all about just the farm the farm the farm he said actually there were two years where i had to miss so much school in order to get the crops in that i had to repeat those two years of school and i was blown away and he said but the gift in that was by the time i was in high school i was older than the other kids and therefore i was bigger and stronger and. This allowed me to excel in athletics, and that gave me scholarships to go to college. No one in my family had ever gone to college. And two of the most poignant things that he said to me was, I don't know, I might have been a terrible father. And I'm thinking, oh my God, first of all, how can he be that clueless? (laughs) Second of all, (laughs) I had compassion. I was like, he really is that innocent. It really was. And then he says to me, this is the first time anyone has ever asked me. Now my dad is extremely successful in the business world. He has done so many achievements in his life. He got his masters. He's very intelligent mentally but this emotional thing and this intimate connection thing was totally surprising to him. And he was like, this is the first time anyone has ever asked me to share all these things about myself. And he talked for almost three hours and I was like, he was in self doubt frozen in his child. It wasn't about me. He wasn't making a statement about my unworthiness of his time, energy, attention. He literally had no idea and was scared to death of vulnerability. So he put all of his effort into that outer achievement that we spoke about. And he was frozen at whatever age he was at that point um, in his 50s for sure. And this is the first time he's had a conversation like this. So the adult truths helped my wounded child to see it differently. And so I at that point had learned all kinds of different ways about identifying the kinds of nurturing that was missing in my early life. And I had begun uh, providing that for my clients and they were all responding so beautifully. So I was able to then go back with my child and help him see the deeper truths that we had personalized in the limbic brain early on for him to see that it was not indeed about him at all, that this was the setup. Now the perfection of that is that my challenge of not being nurtured by my father puts so much focus on the importance of it that I went on this journey to find out what was missing, how to nurture myself, that it even led me to what I consider my most meaningful purpose, getting to be a paternal figure in thousands of lives. If my dad had given me mediocre level of nurturing, I might just have settled and not really put any focus and attention on it. So to me, that's the sole perfection of this whole journey. And so that's just one of the challenges that I talk about in the book. And it's helping people see by looking at my journey and the process that has allowed such a beautiful transformation to be applied to them, just placing their challenges into the equation and learning how to nurture, reparent, and free themselves with deeper truths.
0: Wow, well, that is an incredibly powerful story. And I like how you started it with saying, you know, that this relationship is is half of my responsibility and taking accountability for that to reach out. And, you know, often when we have an experience with somebody that's not positive, a parent, a friend, or whatever the case is, we take it personally, we make up a story, right? That may or yeah. may not be true. And so when yeah. you seek understanding and you treat it with compassion um then you might discover something that you would have never discovered by staying in that story that you've created for yourself um and even if even if you reach out and it doesn't go the way that you thought that's okay you you still did that you did you know what you were able to do and you kind of keep that door open for that other person to stay you know the adult, I guess, in the situation, like my daughter is only two, and you know she'll do things, and I'll act, you know, in a certain way, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm the adult here, although she's, you know, being a little, little bum, you know, I was like, I gotta be the yeah. adult because she doesn't understand. Um, but we have that in in relationships and how we communicate with people. So I think that that's a really powerful and beautiful story, and then to remind people, it's not about you, right? The other person has their own world. Going on. You know what I mean? And that meaning you attach to that experience may not be what you think it is. So that's incredibly powerful.
1: Yeah. Well, the limbic brain is an egocentric, narcissistic brain. And that is really important when we're a child because this is what says there's a me. I exist. I'm an individual. And so we take in everything that's happening and we personalize it, even though it's not about us. That's the primitive way of setting up these core challenges that we have and we personalize it. Then we find ourselves in adulthood when somebody's having a bad day, they're just negotiating some feelings that we don't even know about. And we're like, oh, they don't like me. (laughs) We project, why would we do that? Because I'm not liking me in that moment. I'm not valuing me. And so I'm looking out for the mommy, daddy replacement to validate me. And when somebody's in a bad mood, I already decided way back when these are the signs that mommy, daddy don't love who I am exactly authentically as I am. So I better bury this part of myself. And we get all caught up in the challenge and setup, And so then we bring that right back up from the core or from that hard drive of the child part of self, and we project it just like what you said. And so it's a, an interesting thing to learn how to to recognize adult truth, and then how to practice staying in the adult, which takes time. We have a lot of practice being in the habitual child. And so it's a beautiful thing to build it by percentages and allow the learning curve and Get better and better and better at it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it is it is a learning curve. Whenever you're switching old patterns, and the more ingrained they are, the longer it's going to take. And so, you know, if you're habitually in anxiety or depression or frustration, you know, if you learn how to shorten that duration, maybe you started at most a day. You know, eighty percent of your day you're frustrated and angry. Well, as you learn, you know, throughout the day to kind of stop that emotion, come back to a breath or something like that, and, and set an intention then you're starting to just shorten that neural circuit. And I kind of like to say like, you know, in your neurology, it creates this mental map of the world. And when something's hardwired, it's like a slide. So when you start nipping that neurology a little bit, it creates other options because any kind of option is gonna find you back to that same, you know, response of anxiety, frustration, um, anger, whatever those um, emotions are. And I love how you're speaking about practical applications in these maps. And that's my favorite thing. When I'm looking at personal development and strategies is like i need a process you know what i mean i need i need something to do and try and so you've spoken about um the nine uh, levels of nurturing and and i'm mm-hmm. curious if we start there and just you know your your map so to speak on like having self-worth and then taking that self-worth into um your own purpose or your soul's mission or your own alignment because i feel like in my experience it's a balance of who you authentically are mixed with that response from the world like it's going to be pulling you in a certain direction. And when you're able to kind of read the tea leaves of the world with your inner knowing, that's how things line up, because it might be a little bit different than you thought, but it's in the direction of your own authenticity and what what excites you and what you're passionate about.
1: Yeah. So these are obviously big subjects and there are so many layers to look forward to when someone decides to explore, for instance, this kind of approach that I teach It just keeps getting better and better and when i introduce the map of what is possible to begin with people often go well that sounds amazing but it sounds like too good to be true and i go let's talk in three to six months and remind you of this conversation and you'll see that you've made distinct forward steps and i'll talk about some of the ways how in a second but i go You need to give anything in transformation some time, but you need to be proactive and be introducing new things in that time. And then all of a sudden you're getting used to a new approach and a new experience. The word experience is almost as foreign as the word self for most people. We talk about change your mind and you'll change your reality. And I'm like, okay, that's a piece of the puzzle, but believe me, that is not going to change your depth of fulfillment. It'll change your focus. It might, you might be able to shift some behaviors, but the bottom line is we're not fulfilled by behaviors. We're fulfilled experientially. And so if we don't have a way to get in touch with self and a way to get in touch with our own experience, well, most people live up in their heads. Why is that? In childhood, when we have all these experiences that taught us what is possible, what's not possible, according to the wounded family paradigm, we're like, I don't wanna deal with any of that. I don't wanna feel fear and shame. Like I said, it was the last place I wanted to look was inside. So what we do is we leave the lower torso and we go into the head, trying to get as far away as we can. And then we're trying to figure it all out and we're observing life and we're not connected to self. Well, if I'm not in my body and I'm not moving energy in my body, I'm not actually experiencing my own life moment to moment to moment. So I teach people how to get reconnected with self, how to move energy, how to feel safe with this experiential. And when I model, like we needed mommy and daddy to do, all nine levels of nurturing, the first is safety. Not only physical safety, but emotional safety. And so at the end of one session, I'll go, so, I'm gonna name the nine nurturing needs and you tell me in this hour, have you felt? And I start with safe and they're like, oh yeah. And I go through all nine and they're like, yes, 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 yes. And I'm like, if in just meeting me one hour ago, you can now recognize you've actually experienced all nine levels of nurturing, imagine us doing this consistently and you feeling acknowledged, accepted, compassion, guidance, support, encouragement, connection, and affection. If you experience this, your adult is getting the alternative to the wounded child. And then I'm going to teach you how to provide those nine nurturing experiences for yourself. So you're the source, you're the authority in your own life. I wouldn't want you to just go, Oh, well, it's really cool. Ron can provide that. So now I'm going to be dependent on Ron to be my new parental figure. That wouldn't be freedom. That wouldn't be true empowerment but I model that it's possible, and then teach people how to treat themselves in this way, and that builds the actual experience that allows us to trust value of self. We reinforce it, and we then start to value other people and inspire relationships that are not just a reiteration of the child archetypes, but that we grow with other people and we start creating this much more fulfilling environment, community, soul chosen family of people where we can deepen and truly know value. If you look at all the challenges in the world today, it really boils down to the simplicity of people don't know how to value themselves. They don't know how to trust that their needs matter. They don't trust that they are an equal with everyone else in one way or another. And so we then start to go for more stuff and more money and the bigger thing. And no, I've got to have more land. And no, I have, we're like wounded children in a desperate compensation for what was missing. But when we learn how to trust that all of these levels of nurturing can be our consistent experience and we learn that we can give it to ourselves and then we can inspire relationships of giving and receiving mutual value, then we don't need all that overcompensated stuff. And we can get on with focusing on the solutions that we are desperately in need of, in the world. So those are a few more thoughts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I love all that. And I, as you were speaking, it reminded me of martial arts, because if you go to a good quality martial arts gym, they teach you a lot of that stuff it's a lot about honor respect and in this uh you know these characters on the wall and and you look at the old samurai and the bushido code and things like that my background in martial arts is kind of just i always see it through that lens and i always knew that there was value in sport for young children because you have your parents at home uh, but then you have another influence whether it's uh hockey or football or whatever you have another figure out there teaching you about you know how to be a good man how to be a good person how to be a good woman or whatever the case is for your own experience and you get these intangible things and if we can learn to give it to ourselves like you said that's the most important thing and so I'm curious if you can kind of share one of your best uh, uh tools for that because I loved your list there um that's super important and I remember one podcast I did with someone and he he like um did peak performance or something for the Pentagon. And, you know, he, he, he kind of knew what he's talking about, but he didn't have like a lot of, of depths of tools, but i remember mm-hmm. learning this one tool a long time ago from another friend. And this was the only tool that he used in his, in his leadership career that kind of skyrocketed him. It seemed from the stories he was telling and it was to listen to somebody completely, even if they're upset with you or whatever. So he told the story about how he got hired to do some consulting and then the CEO came in and kind of ripped him a new one. And then all he did was repeat back to him everything that he heard. So now he's fully heard and then says, is there anything else? And if you're in a relationship and you have a partner, just do that because very often we're never fully heard. So we're not fully acknowledged. We're not fully appreciated. And you know we'll hold that in or whatever, the, whatever we're gonna do. So just that one can be incredibly transformative. And so if you're in a community where you're giving that to yourself, you're giving that to your family, to your loved ones and to your friends. They know how to give it to their family, loved ones and friends and their businesses and their employees or whatever the case is. What it does is it elevates your opportunity for success because you're way out of uh, you know, survival mode and safety mode into expansion, into opportunity, into solutions. And it's a very beautiful supportive environment. And just like in martial arts where I'm familiar with this, it's an accelerated learning environment. It's an accelerated uh, opportunity environment. That's where the solutions are gonna come because you know you're in and around people that are gonna support you. Because on the flip side, if you're really nervous and you're walking on eggshells, you're afraid to speak your mind. You know people are gonna shoot you down The last thing you want, you're too, you're too afraid. And like you said, you're kind of frozen. So you're not going to be trying anything because it's not a big deal to fail in the direction you want to go, especially when you have uh, a ton of support. So I'm wondering if you could dive a little deeper on, you know, a little guide to someone listening to, to, I like the idea of like being your own best friend, you know, (laughs) like, you know, if you had like the most supportive inner dialogue. And I remember Wayne Dyer in one of his talks, he was playing tennis with one of his buddies, and his buddy missed a shot and he said something. He's like, oh, you idiot. And Wayne says, hey, you don't talk to my friend like that. And this friend was taken back by it. It's such a ridiculous thing. But I always remember that example because that's kind of how I'm programmed to talk to myself. And I'm always looking for ways to improve that inner dialogue.
1: Yeah. So I often say there's no more important relationship than the one between your adult lives in the heart center, the conscious mind. So the adult and the child who lives in the subconscious mind. So that relationship with self is super important. But let's be more practical and immediate, give a way for people to evaluate where they happen to be today. I've already alluded to the fact that Most people are not that connected to self. So I will say one word for all the listeners. And what I'd like you to do is put all your focus on that word, but don't change a single thing about what you're already doing. The word is breath. Don't change. Just notice. Almost everyone I've ever taught has discovered that they breathe rather shallowly down into the upper chest. Some people breathe sort of toward the middle of the chest, above the solar plexus, or the diaphragm that divides the upper and lower body. I call this survival breathing, just enough to survive. And so, there are reasons why we do this survival breath. But what we don't understand is that every single breath we take is a clear message to the, to the nervous system, to who we are. The in-breath says, this is how much I trust I deserve. This is how much I trust I'm safe to receive. The out-breath is this is how safe I feel to share who I am on the inside. Most people will tell me I don't really know who I am on the inside. I just know that I'm going through the motions and fulfilling structures. And that's important too. So the breath that I suggest that people take starts out like a baby lying on its back in a crib. And the only thing that actually moves is the lower belly. If you see a baby lying there, the belly goes up and down. You have a little two-year-old. You will see the m- more natural breathing when they're lying there asleep.
0: Also, perfect so squats. Is- sorry to cut you off, but never, never, <laughs> you ever see a baby squat, it is the most perfect squat of all time. So sorry, sorry, Balance, sorry easy,
1: boom, hey, all the yeah. way down.
0: Yeah. Asta grass. I've just been doing a lot of squats at the gym. I'm like, I just want to put a little barbell on her back, you know, and just like, she's going to be amazing. We
1: (laughs) naturally do healthy things in many different ways when we're tiny. It's before we have all those experiences and we don't receive the nurturing encouragement about how to connect to self and trust self and whatever. So we end up, accumulating all those experiences, fear and shame, we don't want to shake that up. Just like I've said a couple of times, that was the last place I wanted to look. I don't want to get in touch with my inner self. I'll shake up all that stuff. Well, as the adult, getting in touch with myself gives me access to nurture it. If I stay up in my head disconnected, then I don't even have the chance to nurture it. So I can even go to a thousand seminars and hear amazing information and even understand the concepts to a lot of it. And I'm still not connected to myself and I still can't transform myself because I'm not in my body so the breath that i suggest and i'll describe it in case people are not looking at the visual that they're only listening breathing into the lower belly filling it up so that you look like you're about six months pregnant this is like going to the gym where you'll lift a whole ton of weight but you don't walk around in life lifting all that weight that's your exercise time this is your breathing exercise time So we breathe and fill that lower belly so that we are as full as we can get all the way down to the pelvic bone and then the out-breath out the mouth is a full out-breath. How many people have ever even taken a breath like that or made all that sound with the air? Well, you'd look ridiculous three centuries ago, or it's a bad metaphor to stick with the gym and lifting weights, because they probably did some version of that (laughs) centuries ago. But the point is you go to the gym and you're willing to do all these things that might look ridiculous to someone, but if it's helping you physically, hallelujah, you're willing to do it. Well, this will help you energetically, which feeds every other part of the body every other your mental your emotional all of it will have so much more vitality proactive health as an example i've been sick two days in 25 years and that's because of moving this energy and nurturing myself it sustains proactive health so breathe with me We don't wanna just talk about it. We wanna create an actual experience now that I've gotten you to pay attention to what is likely survival breathing. Put your hands on your lower belly and we're gonna do two breaths together. Breathing in, safe to receive, out through the mouth. And then calm, quiet, Nurturing. If you need to take a little breath in between while I'm doing that, no problem. Now breathe in again fully. Out the mouth. You want that out breath to sound like an ah. Most people keep their lips about as tiny as it can get, just like a straw, so the air can get out. That's not the breath that I'm demonstrating. If you can see the visual, great. If you can't, pay attention to it. sounds like an ah. Uh, versus doesn't sound like ah uh, at all. We want everything to get open and nurtured and in flow. And when we do this as a practical way, we are releasing pressure, anxiety. We're encouraging movement of energy and health, we are going to be more awake, much more energized, much more connected to self as a starting place. Do that one minute, two or three times a day. You can do it when you're driving to work. You can do it when you first wake up. If you feel self-conscious, do it in moments where you're private, no problem. I guarantee you just that one exercise will begin to make a difference before you go into some uh, stressful situation. Breathe, get calm, get your body engaged and relaxed this is just me having another moment it's me having another experience and the one that i choose to create for myself is connected calm and present that is a lot of layers believe it or not of adult alternative to the conditioned habitual wounded child so there's an exercise
0: yeah, I love that. And and I'll agree with you. It's it's incredibly powerful when, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's when you wake up in the morning, you've got this repetitive process put on, you know, your clothes, you have the coffee, you run out the door, you do work, and you're kind of like getting hijacked the whole day with your mind just constantly on autopilot with never a chance to think so someone who's in that will be like, well, I don't have a chance to breathe. What's, what's the even point of that. Um, but what that does is it puts you back into your body into direct experience into the moment and it settles everything down so it pauses this programming you can imagine like being in a vr you know and and you got auditory you know visual all this stimulus going on and so you're just you're just pushing pause and you're reconnecting with your your heart and with your spirit and you're just stopping for a moment so now like spirit can communicate with you. You can get into your natural state of being. Now there's an example, my friend Mark England shares in some of his training where um, he shows this uh, grizzly bear fight and these grizzly bears, they fight and they have this fight or flight kind of scenario going on. And then when the fight is done, this bear does this crazy shake like, and then it goes back into its natural resting state so us as human beings we're in this constant kind of stress state you know this survival state and we're not even aware of it and when you talked about the breathing um that's one of those you know unseen benefits that i receive through martial arts and what i was telling you before we went on air is like i was kind of like aware of stuff and i think martial arts taught me so many different things where someone will be experiencing something and i'm like what do you mean like how like how are you not breathing in your belly, it doesn't make any sense. But because I was taught at a young age, I got these benefits and I didn't realize the these challenges that come from not knowing and understanding that. And when I wrote Zen Athlete, I was looking at bringing it into schools. And I was like, well, if I'm trying to teach this to a, a grade one or four year old um, you know, kid or, or grade four, what's the basics I wanna teach them? And how do I explain that to a teacher? And what I broke it down to was if you're going to make a basketball shot, the first thing is to clear your mind, you know, so take three deep breaths in before you shoot the shot or two deep breaths, Uh, an individual who can stop and clear their mind and come to that state of equilibrium, like you just shared, that's a fundamental difference in consciousness and spirit and quality of life for a person who can and can't do that. And it's just a matter of choice. The second thing is visualize the shot going in. So now you know you influence your reality. Again, it's a fundamental shift in the way that you navigate your life. And then the third one um, being if you miss the shot, what's the most powerful and positive perspective that you can have? So it's how you respond and then repeat the cycle. And if you can do that holistically from a state of uh, balance, self-worth, you know, inner self worth, no matter if you miss 10 shots in a row or whatever the case is, you love and appreciate yourself as you're kind of diving into here having that self nurturing, you know, you don't need someone else if you embarrass yourself, you can pick your pieces up if you fail at your business you can pick your pieces up it's nice to have a. um group of people that will do that for you. And that's going to be easier. easier, but you have to be able to do it for yourself. That's the most important thing. And I feel like that's what you're addressing here. And so it's a simple practice and I definitely invite people to try it out. And if you're doing something like that, you could also add that in for if you do a a quick assessment right now of the emotion you experience most of the time you don't like so it might be you're a little bit anxious or you get angry a little bit too quick or you're a little bit depressed right whenever you feel that emotion come up try this breath pattern because you'll notice if you're able to do that for one week that um you know challenging experience of anxiety, depression, or anger is going to uh, diminish. You're going to diminish. You're going to stay there less. And it's, it's so simple and so practical and it will change how you think. And it'll change your neurology and it'll change your possibility because now you're opening up now, right? You're not in that fear state. And if you get in the fear state, there's no possibility. There's no expanded thinking, you know, there's no spirit connecting with you. And so, yeah, just a very excellent and simple process. I wanted to ask you. Um, there's a part in your unless you want to comment on my little rant. No, there.
1: no, no. It's there's always stuff to say. So <laughs> go ahead okay. wherever yeah. you want.
0: Okay. Well, I want to. I I like in your book. It talks about what makes a man great, and you had this you know question for yourself, and and I've talked about on previous podcast, what I believe an awakened man is or an enlightened person, right? When I was younger, I want to be enlightened. I want to, I want to wake up and I want to be fully, you know, self-aware, self alert, whatever. And I thought enlightened was like a, a Buddha mind, you know, I'm manifesting who knows what I even thought it was um, right now in my adult brain, I would just be like peaceful and centered no matter what I could wake up full of self-love self-worth, accept all the mistakes I've had. I'm not putting my brain there. I'm just in a state of uh, peace and surrender and joy and calm and alertness in all these, you know, wonderful states of being and flow. And so if I could maintain that quality of consciousness and state of being throughout the day, that to me would be powerful. So I'd be curious, you know, what you came up with when you were talking about what makes a man great.
1: Well, as I said, my map of self is child, adult, and soul. I've divided my book into child, adult, and soul. And When I wrote the chapter, What Makes a Man Great, I was around eight, nine, ten years old in the book. And so I was trying to figure out because I had no male models in my life, no one who shared, taught, guided. And so I looked and I was trying to figure out what would make me live up to what is lovable, me trying to fit in, me trying to be a part of the tribe. And so it could easily say what makes a great person, whether it's a man or a woman, but I was trying to figure it out because of being male. And as I said, I tried to do it through achievement, through money, through glamor, through, getting validation, so many things in the bright lights part of the title. And ultimately, once I began to recognize as an adult that I get to choose who I'm going to be, I get to choose the qualities. I want to be compassionate, so I'm gonna purposefully practice compassion. I want to be courageous, so I'm going to purposefully practice courage. Uh, and I share examples and stories, of course, throughout the book of how I had a chance to practice this, even on major world stages. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would be so easy to go into stories, but uh, the bottom line was, I also recognized that I had natural qualities as a child, that no one knew how to acknowledge and get me to recognize, but I could look back and see that I always had this beautiful innocence and a desire to be connected. And I wanted to value other people. I cared about other people. I had a lot of qualities that I didn't know how to claim and recognize just like I didn't know how to recognize my father and all of his challenges. And so it's such a great thing to eventually say, what makes a man great is being true to self, being the most authentic version of self that we can be, practicing the specific qualities that make us proud to be me. I eventually came up with one guiding principle out of all the lessons and things that I was learning, and that is, what choices can I make now that are going to leave me feeling the best about myself? Because self-love is the grand prize that we all seek, because then everything is enhanced, and we can bring more of self into every situation. So to me, the answer became more and more being as fully true to myself as I can, making the choices that make me proud of me, and practicing the qualities that matter to me. It's not gonna be the same qualities to every person. There's not a particular end result that we're all going for, but if we learn to get in touch with what truly matters to self, and then you spend each day investing in self and then investing yourself into the jobs and relationships and situations, then all of a sudden life becomes fulfilling in such a different way. We care about it. We wanna wake up every day. We wanna go play tennis because we love playing tennis. We wanna go and invest in these friendships because they matter to us so much, etc. And so all of it comes out of learning how to love and value, which starts with self. And that creates a man or a woman that we can be proud of and feel excited to be alive, excited to share, excited to engage. When we don't have that, like I certainly didn't for so long in my early life, We're afraid to engage. We're afraid to be known. We're afraid to share ourselves. We have so much early decision from the child experiences that say, there's no way anyone could love this. There's no way this is going to be okay. And so we hide, we mask, we pretend, we compensate. And those are all antithetical to, I love who I am. I love what I'm choosing. I love engaging in these specific things at this stage. It might shift in the next stage. And so that's a little bit of my journey with deep confusion about what makes a man great or a person great into some of the celebration of being the man that I am today and will continue to enhance and deepen, but not because I'm not already lovable. I love being able to take people as adults to look back at their child and to, actually, if you don't mind, I'm gonna do another quick exercise and your listeners can have this seed planted now. So if you will, What I'd love you to do is just imagine that there are 10 little, innocent three-year-olds around you. You've never met any of them. Just imagine any combo of boys, girls, shapes, sizes, cultures, religions, it doesn't matter. 10 little three-year-olds. Now get in touch with the adult that you are today. And do you think that you could pick out one of these little, innocent three-year-olds? who does not deserve to be loved, nurtured, and guided in their lifetime. Almost maybe all of the adults that I have asked this question have said, no, of course they all deserve to be loved, nurtured, and guided. And I say, that's adult reality. Now there are 11 little three-year-olds in this circle and you've never met this new one either, but it's you as a three-year-old Do you think you could magically look at this child for the first time and go, oh, that's clearly the one who doesn't deserve to be loved, nurtured, and guided? And it's like, oh, no, I couldn't. And I go, okay, now one of these little kids, doesn't matter which one, falls down, scrapes their elbow, they're confused, they're hurt, they... they." don't know what's happened, and now a little teeny bit of red stuff is even coming to the surface, and they don't know what it is, and they're confused, hurt, scared, and then they see you, the adult that you are right now. If that child came running over to you, would you put up your hands and go, get the hell away from me, I don't wanna deal with that crap? No. And that is because there's an adult nurturer who can respond to the innocence of a wounded child that lives right here in the heart space. And if you've just now recognized that your own inner child deserves to be loved, nurtured, and guided, you can say from a place of truth, you matter. And I can learn how, as the adult version of us, to show up and nurture you and provide so many things that mommy and daddy just didn't know. And that was the sole setup for the lifetime, but it didn't make it the truth. It made it your experience based on the limits of what people knew. And now you recognize a deeper truth. You, little one inside me, deserve to be loved, nurtured and guided. And when we start from this place, it changes everything. And then we get on with learning what it means and learning how and having learning curves and getting better and better and better at all nine levels of nurturing. So there's a little bit more.
0: I love that. I love that example. It's such a powerful tool. Um, I learned something similar in New Orleans in neuro-linguistic programming that would, you know, yep. take people back to when they had this childhood trauma experience and then see it as the adult and then talk to yourself as a kid then talk to your parent and then do a mm-hmm. little inquiry. And it always ends up with more compassion for the person who's harming you you know what I mean? And more understanding for the little one. And then the little one and, and you as the adult version have this conversation. And it's so amazing um, to see what comes up. And it's so powerful for people to experience. It's amazing what can happen in one little short experience and people could write down, you know, okay, if you go to your childhood traumas, like write them all out and kind of work through using it, that process or something similar. So it's really, mm. it's really profound. I would be curious um, your thoughts on um. People just forgiving themselves. I feel like uh, so many people, they have this repeat when they're, when they're trying to improve their lives, that they're kind of have this repeat of all the negative stuff they've done, right? They're, rather than mm-hmm. thinking about all the wonderful things they've done, they wake up and they just mm-hmm. remember, oh, you know, I wasn't perfect here. I wasn't perfect there. And they have this negative repeat. How, did that, how do you help someone either overcome a trauma or help that, you know, it's like they have a highlight reel of the worst stuff. Right. And that's what kind of pops up on a daily basis. So how would you recommend somebody um, navigate that kind of situation?
1: Well, again, there are many layers, but we can do an introductory layer that will make sense to everyone, I would imagine. And that is asking another adult reality question. Do I know anyone who doesn't make mistakes? Well, just think of three people that you truly value in your life. Have those people ever made mistakes? Of course they have. Did anybody pop out of the womb knowing it all, knowing how to do everything, how to do every skill at the highest level? Of course not. We don't take the time to ask the adult reality questions because we have become conditioned as the wounded child who simply personalized and made decisions at the wise old ages of five, six, and seven about who we are. And then we just spend the rest of our lives justifying it. See, there's another example of why I suck. And it's like, what? You just are in a learning curve and if you, beat yourself up and knock yourself down every time, you won't learn. You're just telling your child, this is all he can or she can expect. And we are the ones who hold the whole thing in place. The great news is that means we're also the one in a position of power to begin to introduce adult truths that shall set you free. So, okay, next time I make a mistake, I might initially go to beat myself up but go, whoop, nope. Let me just remind you, little one, everybody makes mistakes. That's how we learn. So what did we learn? What can we adjust? What can we nurture? There are so many layers you can begin to add to this simple beginning. And to forgive ourselves for having a learning curve, Excuse me, it almost seems absurd that it even needs to be a statement. Once we've asked ourselves the simple question about having learning curves and making mistakes as a vital part of developing and deepening and getting better and better. So why would I need to forgive myself for being human and having mistakes and a learning curve? Well, we do. So let's make it just as simple. Okay, I can begin to accept that. That's a beginning of forgiveness. I can begin to acknowledge. I can begin to hold a space for that. I can begin to see that no ships are sinking in the harbor because I'm not beating myself up. Oh, wow. I could even choose to celebrate what we learned. I could even choose to nurture and go, isn't it great to practice this self-acceptance, this self-acknowledgement? I'm starting to name it as self rather than just the nine nurturing needs to be acknowledged and accepted. Now it's self-acknowledgement and self-acceptance. And when we can begin to do that, we naturally want to forgive whatever we had initially learned by judging and shaming. So it's more like I need to forgive myself for judging and shaming. Because before we learn to do that, we tend to judge ourselves for judging ourselves and shaming ourselves for shaming ourselves. Well, that's helpful. But it's the learning curve of how do I treat myself? And it's so amazing. When people start to do this more adult, nurturing approach, how 100% of the people that practice the tools make distinct moves into more and more of their authentic self and appreciate, love, enjoy, whatever you want to call it, their lives more fully than they did before. It's a beautiful thing to watch that consistent, reliable transformation. So, there's an answer.
0: Beautiful, I love that, and I wanted to, you know, share to uh, a, f- a few questions ago when you when you talked about the the question, what choices can I make now to leave me feeling better about myself? Uh, is so powerful and so profound. And when we ask ourselves these deep questions, I feel like that's where somebody who knows what they're talking about will come up with a good answer. It's simple, right? It's a good mm-hmm. quality of question. I think there's a quote mm-hmm. that will say something along the lines is the smarter that we get, the better questions we ask something along those lines, Yeah. you know? Yeah, and and yeah. so I feel like it's so simple and so profound because it, it's true, right? It, that's how you you, that's all you really can do. It's an action step that will create these different feelings. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. And uh, I wanted to ask, you know, with all the one second
1: before we jump, yeah. I apologize. Oh, Let no, me jump in letter. on that one. Yes, Cause it's so yeah. important. Sure. Do you begin to see why I say I'm not dividing child and adult into the years of childhood and the years of adulthood? No, The child is the frozen initial experiences and decisions and then the adult is capable of a much deeper evaluation and consciousness and set of choices. And so eventually you can say, was that my child habitual or was that my adult who can set me up better and better and better? And so the child and the adult continue to live in the same body even when we're 20 30 50 90. and so we want the adult to become that much more and we haven't even touched on soul so there's so much in this book that maps the journey of transformation that is so profound so back to your question
0: Oh, shoot, well, we haven't even touched on so I had one. I like had a few questions. I Please to go ask with about, the question. Yeah, um, <laughs> so no, I think yeah, it's great, it'll give yeah. people
1: something to look forward to in the book in a big way. Plus, this is just one challenge of many different things that I cover in the book with lots of stories and uh that demonstrate it all.
0: Please. I love it. Well, it's like an hour and a half teaser, so that's that's amazing. It's ah. obviously, obviously, a deep book. So I want to ask a question, you know, so many people that I know over the last two years, depending on their situation, especially in Canada, around the States, other places have been dealing with profound challenge, Uh, fear, scarcity, unknown uh, transition, you know, a lot of new revelations about what's going on. And I've heard a lot of different perspectives from people on how to navigate these times. And I'd just be curious, your your suggestion for that because a lot of people are in big transition they're in big challenge they're in big faith mode and they might not be familiar with that i've told my you know partner from the beginning i will go amish or mennonite or or live in a tent before i comply to anything that goes against my integrity i do not give a crap you know what i mean i trust implicitly and God, the creator and the great spirit, or however you want to see that, that I will be guided. I also have almost died a bunch of times. So I know that my life will end when it's supposed to end. I'm not worried about that. I am a tad worried about prolonged suffering. I'll I'll, I'll be honest about that. I don't, I don't want that. And uh, I am, you know, the biggest fear is for my daughter to have a, a good life. So I'll do anything to provide that um, within the realms of, you know, my integrity. So That's kind of like a a long story, just to say for people who I don't think it's going to get to that level of, of gnarliness, because the people that I've seen respond, where they had a situation that was no longer in their integrity, they made a decision to change it. Now they've dropped a lot of different things, but they've expanded all these new experiences that are even more aligned, and they couldn't see them. Uh, or experience them while holding onto that old anchor that was no longer serving them. So I'd just be curious your two cents on that because I feel like a lot of people have made really big decisions and I feel like it's kind of like with the health thing. A lot of the people that have come on the show, they had their life one way, then they had a big catalyst, right? Sometimes it was a health scare because they they weren't taking care of their body. They were super stressed and overachieving and caused something that <clears throat> said, you know what, I got to reevaluate what's most important to be because now my house shot and then now they navigate life differently. And so I'd just be curious, your two cents on, you know, the challenges we see in the world and how to navigate those.
1: (laughs) Two cents.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I, I probably got it closer to 92 cents, but, uh, um, goodness, there's so many things, but again, let's just do an introduction that makes sense as a foundation and then people can go further and, For instance, I talk a great deal in the third section of the book about what's happening on the planet, how it's in divine order, how the soul operates, how the planet is being encouraged in a state of evolution that is unlike anything we've known. We've shifted more in 30 years than we did in the last 3,000 years. It's moving in a big way. And so one of the things that is super important for people to consider is that no matter what you choose, you're learning. No matter what you choose, your soul is being informed about what works well, what works less well. Sometimes I need to bang my head on that tree in order to recognize this way of overcompensating just does not work. Just like I needed to go and do 60 leading roles before, you know, in awesome scenarios before I realized that's not going to do it for me on the inside. And so, ah, there's so many directions my head wants to go. But the bottom line is, all the things that are happening, let's look at just the pandemic of the last two years. This was the first time we've had the technology to become aware that the whole planet's going through the same thing at the same time and we're aware of a ton of what's going on in lots of different countries and cultures and whatever at the same time all put on an even playing field to some degree to a greater degree than ever and it doesn't matter how wealthy somebody is or how high up in a certain hierarchy of position we were all put on a human playing field negotiating this and it was an interrupt of the familiar So let's put it in the terms of the child, adult, and soul. If the soul says, hmm, the children are caught up in all their compensations and they want their hits of gratification and they're caught up in the me, me, me compensation of trying to figure out how to at least get some hit of gratification because I don't trust that my needs, I don't even know what my needs are much less that they can be fulfilled. And so it's an interrupt of a certain level of consciousness, an interrupt of a lot of habitual patterns. And it was like we were all sent to our room and said, you got some time to think about it now. What's important to you? What was working well? What wasn't? Well, at first, most people were just fighting change and interruption and whatever. And I believe that those changes have only begun in this important acceleration because in order to make healthier choices, like you said, they realized a whole lot of things that they didn't realize in the habitual, in order for us to truly move into wiser choices, like some people needed the health scare. We're getting planetary interruptions and we're getting our systems that we thought we could count on, just like a child counting on mommy, daddy. We need to learn to land in ourselves, seek deeper solutions, learn to nurture and value self, and then I can nurture and value others. Well, sometimes I'm not on that path and I'm not choosing that path. So, oh, wait a minute. My habitual is interrupted in such a big way that I actually need other people. I need help. I need things that, and I would never have considered asking or showing up or exploring or looking for new solutions because I was so wrapped up in my habitual choices. And so I like to say, the dance we have with life and one another is that life reveals me to me? It shows me what my commitments have been. It shows me where I'm in fear. It shows me where I'm in celebration. It shows me the next steps of possibility and gives me constant chances to practice whatever that is. And so I believe on a soul level that we have entered this acceleration that says, let us the higher beings, the God consciousness. Let us reveal you to you in a more immediate way. Please respond. Please see that there are alternatives and that there are more people and teachers and approaches and access to information about self, access to so many more solutions. Practice them. Interrupt. Practice. Try things. Show up and learn how with each other. Everybody's the same. Everybody has learning curves. Everybody has to face the challenges. Some of them are individual, some of them are collective. And we have a lot more collective ones revealing themselves. And so, If you believe in a soul journey, then this is a stunning stage of evolution. But it is not the only lifetime by any stretch. And so I'm going to take my next perfect steps in this lifetime at whatever level I'm in. It's like we're all in school together and some people are in first grade, some in fifth, some in tenth. Everybody's studying different subjects. Everybody's facing different challenges, but we're all here together learning and we can encourage and inspire. And the more I learn, the more I can share that with you. And the more you learn, the more you can share that with me. And we can become much more focused on what serves the good of the whole because I've learned to value myself as a starting place and I don't need to play out the compensations and stay separate and defended and pretended and masked. Instead, I can become more authentic and connected with you and create experiences that are so meaningful. And so the wake-up calls are crucial. They're a part of the divine order. And so if we don't have the whole context, then we're just pissed off at the symptoms. But it doesn't help. And so learning how to come back to center and have a clear approach that allows us to embrace it, I didn't say like it, that allows us to embrace it as a necessary process of evolving into learn how to love and value, that is the ultimate goal of the soul, integration of self in love and value. So there's some thoughts.
0: Very well said. I, I really enjoy and and uh, think that those perspectives are, are powerful and, and very accurate as well. This is a, a challenging time, but we can always look to how we respond, right, and what's being asked of us. So this is a, a very challenging realm to be in at times. And when I interviewed Tom Campbell, who's one of the, you know, majors. Physicists on simulation theory. He kept talking about how we need to go from children to adults in everything that we do when we're being asked to do that, right? And even mm. with uh, some of the bigger picture stuff. When I did the law summit, they just talked about the government kind of being like your parents that need to take care of everything for you. But when you're more self-sustainable, you you have a direct connection with God, Creator, how you live, and you take radical responsibility. You don't need to be micromanaged. And so a lot of us have kind of given that over, right? All of this um yeah a lot of our lives and a lot of our thinking and a lot of our brains i remember in school right is this kind of teaching you you don't question anything you sit in class you do as you're told and you're not taught anything that you're sharing now that you had to learn as an adult imagine they shared like you know that was the goal for me was an athlete was get this to kids. Cause if they knew it was, it was hiding this stuff through sports. Yeah. Cause they, cause yeah. kids want to get better at sports. So if they taught what you're teaching now to kids, what kind of powerful kids will we have to teach them self-worth and self-responsibility and, and all yeah. of these beautiful things by healing those w- wounds. It's that quote that says hurt people, hurt people. Right. And, mm. and even your father's story was so amazing. You know, I kind of giggled when he's like, how did you not know that you were not <laughs> very good? You know, it just shatters the brain that he didn't know that, you know, and so it's unbelievable. he was
1: providing money and blah, blah, blah for at least the thir- first 13 years.
0: <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, no yeah. clue. Unbelievable. So, you know, this has been enjoyable. I want to ask you a lot more questions, but I can ask you one more specifically (laughs) and then I'll let you go and you can kind of share your closing thoughts, but i would be curious your thoughts on who is God to you and how do we connect to, um, uh that thing because you know the native americans i studied they call it the great spirit right in law summit some of them said you know god isn't the greatest word you want to use creator the native americans would talk about creator a creator great spirit and so there's a lot you know and then you've got the books like the bible and you've got the bhagavad-gita you got the buddha you got all these different things kind of moving in the same direction right when i went to the parliament of world religions over 220 religions represented to you know Find Creator, find God, find meaning in that inner connection, and in all these teachings, it talks about God being within. And so, I'll you know, I have my own two cents, but I'd be curious yours. I feel like if we can find that honest connection with the Creator, God, Source, or Spirit, that's going to be enough to guide us to the things that we need to know to how we navigate this existence, and you know, be guided on our soul path or our life experience.
1: Oh Lordy, there's so many things that I want to say. <laughs> just a just um, a
0: light, easy question for the for the closing. Yeah,
1: I mean, truly, it, it, it's it matters so much the answer to this question. And again, I would like about a week to answer it. <laughs> so, um, let's start out with every facet of self is sacred. Every. Your wound is sacred. Your learning curves are sacred. Your gifts are sacred. Your greatness is sacred. People tend to be quite afraid of their greatness and their wounds and put themselves in a tiny little comfort zone in the middle, whatever was acceptable within mommy, daddy's comfort zones is the simplest way to say it. And so, No one has ever really said sacred. Can you imagine if, just like you discovered in the exercise with the three year olds in the circle, that from the time we were little, someone had said, you are a sacred individual on a unique soul journey and you matter and you deserve love, nurturing, and guidance. You are on a soul journey that's perfect, just like every grade in school is perfect for introducing next layers, next options, next opportunities to inspire and encourage next depths of skills and possibilities and whatever. And just like when you were a six-year-old, if I had said to you, there's an adult held inside you. You'd have been so confused. What does that even mean? I can't even relate to what that might the experience of that might be like. And I now say to, and yet you're in an adult body and you know it was the same body you had when you were six. You just grew into awakening more of self. And now I say to you as an adult, there's a soul inside you. And the adult goes, I don't know what that actually means how what's the practicality what what is it and there's just as big a quantum shift into soul as there was from child to adult particularly if it's an empowered conscious adult and so the soul is awakening on the planet for mass consciousness and that's why In 30 years, we've expanded and evolved and awakened in so many realms more than in 3000 years, the soul is awakening and the divine order of God consciousness is inspiring the revelation of what's working and what's not working, encouraging us to seek deeper connection deeper solutions deeper interdependence mutual value and so what is god it is all of it it's the consciousness of all of it so let's just say what is matt well were you matt fully when you were three when you were in third grade, when you were in 30th grade, what more and more and more of Matt has been revealing itself and you find out that you are more and more and more. However far you choose to expand, God consciousness is the inclusive sacredness of all of it, all that is and every stage is sacred, every stage is meaningful, but no one's ever taught us to look inside and connect to self and trust sacred anything, much less sacred self. So that's how the answer to a foundation of God and what is it wants to come out this time.
0: Beautiful, very well said. I love that answer, man. This has been an absolute pleasure. I could talk to you all day. We didn't even get into the soul mm. part of your book, which is brutal. No, <laughs> so but I, I to know. You back. And I know, I know the the book is launched April twelfth. Is that what it said? April twelfth. Yeah. Okay, excellent. So we're on YouTube now, um, so people can go to your website. If so, what I want to ask you is: is there anything that you wish that I'd asked you, or that you want to cover before we close it out?
1: No, I really think that we have exchanged so many beautiful thoughts and foundations in lots of different directions and one piece of this conversation will touch a certain number of people and others will touch other people and I love that I don't I I trust that you and I are guided we're all guided and this is what needed to come out for now I just would encourage people that it's challenging to trust the habitual, yeah, but that doesn't really apply to me. Yeah, but I've practiced negating myself for so long. I've tried everything. I failed. I, I don't even... Please, the only failure truly and you learn from that as well is not showing up for you the whole dang point of all of this is so that you will keep seeking you found yourself to this conversation for a reason what will you do with it so you can reach out to scenarios that you already feel compelled and intrigued by you can reach out in my direction at ronbaker.net you can get the book and find out a much more complete map of the evolution of self claiming the whole self you can reach out to matt reach out keep seeking showing up for you is like me eventually realizing with my dad, I've got to show up. Life can't just magically transition me from woundedville to integrated, fulfilled. I've got to show up and believe me. When I say to my clients, I know it sounds too good to be true. I'm a living example. And so are tons of others who've been approaching life this way true fulfillment at deeper and deeper and deeper levels. I like to say creating lives that get better and better and better dot, dot, dot is entirely possible, but you have to show up for you.
0: Beautiful. I love it. Very well said. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you dropped the website it was Ron Hmm. Okay. Book goes live uh, April 12th. Yeah. You obviously have a deep, uh, skill set and level of knowledge. And I like how it's practical. My favorite thing with all of this stuff is just Mm. practical guide to spirituality. You have to be able to, um, have your own guide and your own map for your own understanding. And and I really like what you close with as well. It's just that will, willingness to show up and go to that. Never, uh, and go to that next step for yourself you know whatever that is because there are options out there and it's just that intent and actually taking action so this has been beautiful man i talked to you all day but we'll stay in touch i appreciate you coming on the show and just thanks thanks for coming here
1: thank you so much man
0: my pleasure thanks guys for watching see you in the next one peace there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely incredible Ron Baker. I hope that you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share this as far and as wide as you can, whether it's on Facebook or social media as Twitter. I don't know what you're using. It's all crazy these days. Uh, if you're on Telegram, that would be great. If you want to follow me, go to telegramt.me forward slash Matt Belair. Make sure you join the email list at mattbelair.com uh, so you can stay up to date and in touch, and you can consider becoming a member because Patreon has been deleted. So if you want to contribute to the show a little bit each month. Uh, you have the option, but it is not uh, necessary. All this content is for you to help improve your life in some sort of way. That's the intention. And so we'll keep bringing on these, the best guests that I can find to help all of us just navigate this challenging existence and make it uh, beautiful and worthwhile and, and leave a legacy. So um, if you want to contact me for any reason, just go to Matt at I'm very easy to get a hold of. Um, usually on Instagram, you can find me, but that's kind of been hacked so I'm on my third Instagram account there so best thing is a direct email and uh, that's it so thank you guys so much for listening let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close out this episode so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with joy peace compassion inspiration courage faith and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.